we, I, I talk a lot about the electric cupcake in, in recruitment about how recruiters love to make the same mistake again and again and I've been guilty of it with, with exactly this like moving out of the niche and seeing that sort of easy win in recruitment if there's an easy win it's very rarely an easy win it's a problem in disguise Welcome to the Resilient Recruiter Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Whitby, and I'm joined today by Toby Babb. Toby is the founder and CEO of Harrington Star Group. Harrington Star was launched in 2010 and focuses on the financial technology sector. They've got offices in London and New York. The group also owns the North Star, which is a specialist technology sales talent acquisition business. And interestingly, Toby hosts the FinTech Focus Podcast and FinTech Focus TV. Um, he's also the chairman of the FinTech Influencers Networking Community. Toby's been in the recruiting industry for 21 years. He spent the last 10 years in leadership roles with two listed recruiting groups. He's been named Agency Leader of the Year and Entrepreneur of the Year by Recruiter Magazine. Welcome, Toby. It's, it's great to meet you. Well, it's lovely to be here and great to meet you too. Really love what you're doing with the show. Oh, thank you so much. It's really cool to interview a fellow podcaster. How long have you been doing the FinTech Focus podcast? Do you know what? We've been doing it um, on and off for, you know, for, for a while. We never had this sort of continuity. So we, we'd use it as a, as a way of sort of you know, bringing our clients into the office. And, and uh, you know, pre-COVID, we'd do it all in-house and they, they come into the office. I think we started it back in maybe 2016, 17 or so. And, and we do maybe three, four, five a year or so, something. It would be very ad hoc. Uh, and then this time last year, we sort of saw a, a, a lot of confusion out there from clients from, and, and we wanted to have something there where we could engage with our customers. And so for the last year, pretty much, I've been doing three shows a week, Monday, Wednesday, Monday, Wednesday Friday. Uh, and then we do a review show on, on Sundays. And then Nadia, who is one of the uh, an initial crew we brought into the business, who's our chief customer officer, she does a DE&I show uh, on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So six days a week. Cool. Uh, we've wow. got content coming out on podcasts and it's uh, it's been great fun. That's amazing. What do you feel is the benefit of doing a podcast? Because it, it, it is quite a lot of work. Yeah. Um, and so wh- why do you guys do it? Why bother? Two, two three re- re- reasons. Um, yeah, the first of which is, and I'll, I'll, I'll uh, throw some light here to our, our marketing team. Uh, Scott is, is, is absolutely fantastic and he's accompanied by... Um, you know, uh, a, a brilliant crew in Alexandria and Georgia who who do a great job in really sort of putting this content out there and making sure it maximizes its reach. Now, that's a clue to why we why we do it. Its reach is, you know, is getting bigger and bigger. And, and if, we, you know, if I'm going to sit there and say, right, we want to push the brand out to our candidates, to our clients, to consultants who want to work with us, um, it's going to take a lot of calls to get 20,000 views on, uh, you know, on LinkedIn that we can do by putting a podcast out and you put that one yes. bit of content out there and it's going to reach 20,000 people. That to me is 20,000 uh, points of contact that you've got with people who can engage with your, with your brand. Um, alongside that, I think a year ago we wanted to make sure that, or I wanted to make sure I was leading from the front and I wanted to have conversations on a C to C level with, with potential customers and, and existing customers and make sure we were there and engaging with them. And over the course of the last year or so, through the podcast, through the, the we do the Financial Technologies magazine and through webinars and debates that we've hosted and roundtables and all these sort of things, we've had multiple, multiple ways of engaging with our customers. While other people have just been sort of uh, uh, pulling backwards, we've been much more on the offense with our, with our marketing. And we sort of made the conscious decision a year ago to um, significantly increase our advertising spend, our marketing spend, our, our, um, our marketing team has um, trebled over the course of the last, uh, last 12 months. Uh, and I see it now as being this, this sort of pivotal business development tool for us in the business, but it's also a great way of us helping and being seen to be a professional service, service within the industry, which is something I'm very passionate about. Alongside that, my view is, is working for a business, working for a recruitment business has to be of value to you. So my job is to make sure the guys have got the best tools, the best technology, the best uh, systems, the best processes, the best training, the best learning and development, the best peers, the best support to allow them to be successful. But what they should also have is, is a stream of inbound business that comes to them based off the relationships that I'm having and building with these leaders across the business. Now, I never push it. I never sit here and say, in any of the podcasts, you should be using us and, and give us your jobs and all that, that sort of stuff. I just talk to them about their business and their challenges and their opportunities and why they're good. 
And all of a sudden, over the course of the last year, when everything's been as difficult as it has, we've had a strong and consistent flow of inbound business coming to us that's made it easier for my team to do their jobs. And the more we can do that and, and then build exclusive relationships and retain relationships off the back of that, that should be the superpower of working for Harrington Star, that you've got great tech suite, you've got systems and processes that allow you to be successful at your job, you're trained and pushed to be better, you've got the right mentorship and support and team around you to cross-sell, and that you've got a brand there that's going to go to work for you and be your um, – I always think about those sort of uh, – uh, 1920s films where they have the horseshoe and the boxing glove, um, and uh, and I want to be I want Harrington Star to be the, the horseshoe and the boxing glove for those guys to make it easier for them to do it, to to give them an unfair advantage against their competition. Wow, that's a great explanation, uh, Toby. <laughs> so thank you. I agree 100. percent I think, um, in fact, it's something I believe in to the to the extent that for my inner circle coaching group, I've, I'm running a little course on how to start and grow a successful podcast for recruiters um, because I think it's such a powerful platform for all the reasons you just said. Um, and for me, what allows you to do is to really elevate your personal and business brand by... And, and go from just another recruiter, of which there are, you know, thousands and thousands, and really step up into a leadership role within your ecosystem, within your, your market niche. And, um, and not use it as a platform to pitch, but just if you're bringing value and you're um, wanting to help, generally serve and help your audience to, um, with their businesses and, and their growth and their journey, then that will definitely come back to you, right? Uh, that, that's my philosophy anyway. 100%. And look, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a philosophy that's got some you know, credibility to it. You know, I can point to hundreds of thousands of pounds um, over the last year, which is directly referenceable to the work that we've been doing around community. In fact, I would probably say that um, that 60% of our business now has moved you know, to, from, to inbound business. And that's a, you know, that's a great position to be in in wow. a pandemic at any, at any sort of stage. And I think we can make it even bigger and I'm, I'm really passionate about, you know, doing and, and believing that. But I think it fundamentally comes down to, you know, first and foremost, doing the right thing. You know, it's, it's about yes. making sure, sure you're there. And I think that the, the, I've been in the industry for 21 years now. I started in, in um, January, 2020, uh, so, yeah, January 2000, should I say. And uh, at that sort of stage, it's a very, very different industry. You sort of yeah. went out there, you speculated, you got the jobs and you, you'd fill the jobs. And it, it was more of a, a master-servant sort of relationship, um, mm-hmm. in my opinion. It was um, yeah, a transaction. And I think what's yeah. happened and what I've loved over the course of the last decade in particular is it's become much more of a, of a genuine professional service. And you're expected to go into a customer and be able to do more than just put bums on seats. You're there, and you're you, you're able to uh, advise and consult. Look, recruitment consultant's been a misnomer for many years because it's just been yeah. a recruitment salesperson, right? You haven't right, really right. consulted on anything. You've you've uh, gone out there, you've taken a brief, and you've put um, uh, you know things that match that brief over to the customer, and then then done your job around it. Consultancy, in its truest sense, is about helping people make the right decisions and being the expert in a in a space to help them uh, grow and build their teams. And you speak to any individual. Uh, of any business that you, you speak to across the world, no matter what industry they're in. And almost certainly, I would say the percentage will be off the scale as to what their biggest and most important aspects and priority would be in their business is their people. You've got a terrible product, you put great people on it, that product can become great. You've got a great product, but terrible people, that product's not going to sell anywhere or and it's going yes. it's, it's to erode. So people are the fuel of, of everyone's uh, success. And I think if you are... Um, they're unable to to be a trusted advisor, consigliere to these these sort of businesses. If you're there and you are a genuine consultant in what you're you're doing, you're able to to um, garner that trust that excludes competition, that makes your business more efficient because you are their go-to and you're their partner and you're you're there and and you aren't in the foot race for contingent work against four or five other agencies in a in a very slim respect business. You're there as an extension of a business that's helping companies to solve their biggest problem, which in our in our world, our technology world that we work in at the moment, is everyone's biggest issue. Everyone needs to grow. Everyone's looking for people, but they're in a foot race 
and every good technologist right now, every Python developer, every you know, every um, uh, you know, special security specialist is going to have three, you know, who's worth their salt is going to have three, four different opportunities. So you've got to help that particular customer stand out, get their EVP, get their proposition, get their value right. And if we're able to elevate their brand through podcasts or through a magazine or through you know, events or introductions or whatever it is we can do to consult them and help them tell that story in a better way, then, then I think you become a genuine consultancy and a genuine professional service and standardized professional service that, that people want to come into and, and, and be what this industry should be about, which is the most important of those. You've got a good lawyer, another professional service. It's important, but not essential. You've got a good accountant. It's important. But again, you can have a mediocre accountant and still run a really great business. You've got a, um, uh, a management consultant, important. But if, you, if you're failing to plug the right people into your business, it's got to be, be, in my view, it's got to be seen that that genuine professional service aspect of recruitment joins that echelon of the professional services giants in terms of its respect as an industry to allow people to uh, um, really stand out and, and solve their biggest problem. I love that. I couldn't agree more, Toby. And it all sort of ties together because <clears throat> it's almost like in order to be earn that respect and to be perceived as that trusted advisor on a peer level with your with your customers, where you are considered a true professional service. Um, you need to demonstrate that, right? You need to demonstrate that in the way that you engage with your marketplace and the value that you're bringing, the knowledge and the expertise and so on. Um, and I feel like you need to do that first before the customer will, you know, the, the, the benefits will, will follow from there. You can't expect it to happen the other way around where people will immediately understand the value that you're bringing and perceive you as that trusted advisor. So I feel like what you're doing at Harrington Star is like a perfect example of that with the, the magazine, the, the, you know, the videos, the podcast. Um, what it's, I'm fascinated that you've got 60% of your new business is now coming from inbound. What I, I mean, that in, in itself is impressive, but what people maybe don't even appreciate, which we need to point out is the quality of those inbound leads insofar as if they've come to you because they've seen your content or they've, you know, heard you on a podcast or they, you know, they already perceive you as having that expert status and they're already sort of pre-sold in a way. They've bought into you. Mm -hmm. They perceive you as being credible. So then the ability to, you know, earn that exclusive or retained search is, it's so much easier, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, um, yeah, this, these these are people out there who've got a problem, who've understood that you know um, that you're talking about that issue and positioning yourself as a, as a uh, advisor, a trusted advisor in the space, someone who knows what they're talking about in that space, mm -hmm. uh, and they'll come to you. And look, the danger danger of it is, and we've fallen foul of this over over you know various incarnations of our content journey at various different stages, is that that uh, you have to make sure that you are selling in it at the same sort of stage. So so. You know, sometimes you can be so obsessed with providing a great content platform that you forget to say what you do for the day job. Um, and people, right. people see you as that sort of that magazine company or that, uh, you know, that video company or the podcast. And they, they've, you've got to make sure that there is that, that sort of, uh, you know, without it being a sell, you're talking about the recruitment aspect of it within, within there as well. And that, and that comes from yes. um, a little bit of feeling it out and, you know, um, yeah, I think, I think we've been doing some, some, we've been doing better and better on that over the course of last year. The other side of it is I see a lot of recruiters go into this sort of, uh, you know, it's quite on trend, isn't it? The podcast journey at the, at the, at the moment for people, but I see people sort of play at it, do two or three. And then as with most things, recruiters do stop it and then come back to yes. it and, or, or fail to be bothered to follow it up. And, yes. and, uh, and I think that what I, what I will say is it's been, it's been a lot of work over a, a long period of time. And a lot of investment, and uh, but I've fully believed in that investment since day one of, of doing it. Mm -hmm. And if we can put that into play, uh, and you are consistent with it, and you're not just looking for results tomorrow, and this is what right. happens: is people will go in there and think, right, I've done three podcasts and I haven't had a job back from it yet. I'll, I'll go off right, and right, run, <laughs> run on to something else. And 
it, it isn't about that. It's about constantly, we've been doing three a week for, for a year. And now we're in that phase where that work has meant that those people are coming to us. And you're absolutely right. The quality of lead is it's, it's less a lead. It's more, it's more a job. Um, and nice. you're in that situation where you've done the deal almost from creating that sort of thing. When people are knocking at your door and saying, you know, oh, as I say, this is, a, this is two decades now where for probably 15 years of that, I never had the phone, a job called into me at any sort of stage with a, with a client telling me, here's a job, can you help us? It was always, always attritional, outbound, competitive uh, business. Yes. Other than you know, your repeat business where people are coming back right. to you, new business to me, <laughs> historically, had always been ring, 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 and, and the power of attrition. Right yes. now, new business to, to, to me, um, yeah, and and bearing in mind probably the mistake I've made over, over the years is as a leader, as we grew the business is to go less client orientated and more internal fo- you know, focused as a CEO. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the last year is really, I'm, I'm grateful almost for it. And I know it's sort of unfashionable to say that, but I think it's been a really important year to have this pandemic, to be able to, for, for us to, to, to turn a negative situation into a positive situation and get a lot better as a business because me focusing and putting my, core team and my leadership team again were, were facing internally rather than externally and we had this inverted pyramid where our customers were facing off to our, some of our least experienced people and now to mm-hmm. push that out the other way and have nadia as my chief customer officer um you know my uh, james hounslow uh, now is the ceo of of the north star business and, and running all of their new business uh, um initiatives myself talking to customers you know, at least three times you know, a, a, you know, a week through the podcast, but then also the follow-ups and, and work around that sort of thing as well has meant the credibility has, has, has increased dramatically mm. and we're able to bring in this, you know, this, this flow of, of business that makes that I think has been critical to, to, to us moving to a position now where over the last six, seven months, we've never been more profitable on a per head basis as a, as a business. And, uh, yeah, we had a very tough uh, April, May, June, July, August last year, but it was a, a period where we were able to pause, to stop, to um, get the scalpel out to what wasn't right with the business and, and fix what, you know, what, what was. Really think about what we wanted to be and who we wanted to be and the, the original purpose and value that we wanted to have as a business. And from that, it's, you know, it, it's, it's put us into a position to really be able to be in a, in a great spot to, to grow, to thrive, to be able to add you know, as much value as we can possibly give to to our customer base. So, you're right. Yeah, the the, the it's it's not just right. These guys might be hiring. Get onto it and build the relationship. These are people coming to you and saying, "We want to be part of your tribe. We want to be part of this community. Right. We want to be uh, engaged with all of this this sort of stuff." And and we've gone through that focus of knowing you, liking you, trusting you. Uh, and when it goes to that no like trust, the next part of it is buy, and then the parts after that are refer and repeat. Or repeat and refer. Right. So they come yeah, back to yeah. you and they start telling other people about you, and it's and it's a classic funnel, right? Uh, and it's a classic Absolutely. funnel because because it works and it works in all sorts of other areas of business. But as a recruitment industry, we've probably been lacking in some of the sophistication of sales processes. Hundred percent, Toby. Um, I wanted you touched on something I wanted to dig deeper in, which is um, you have been named by Recruiter Magazine in their Hot One Hundred list. So you're one of the 100 most successful recruiting companies in the UK as measured by GP per employee. Yeah. So that is a measure of how efficient, how productive you are as an organization. And if we think now, I don't know what the latest stats is post pandemic. I'm sure lots of businesses have gone under, but in January, 2020, the staffing industry um, analysts said there were 31,000 recruitment companies in the UK. So to be in the top 100 out of 31,000 companies is is that's quite an achievement. Could you break down for me what do you believe are say the top 3 success factors that I know there's so much that goes into you know into that uh, achieving that outcome but what would you say like according to the 80/20 rule what's the 20% that's had the biggest impact on being so successful as a business? So that's a great question and um yeah, the figures are stunning, aren't they? When you look at that, when you look at that as well. So there's, there's, uh, I've heard up to forty thousand recruiters in in, in, in the country, yeah. and, it's, and it's one of those sort of funny uh, 
statistics because there's an awful lot of individual trends, you know, individual companies. So we've seen, True. despite the fact of the pandemic, I think we've probably seen an increase in this year of, uh, of recruiting companies as people go off and in their droves and do bedroom recruitment gigs. Um, That's true. Yeah. And I think when you bring it down, it then says, right, how many of those uh, companies are more than 10 people? And I think it sort of narrows the field significantly to maybe you know, 10,000 or whatever it is there and, and those above. Excellent. And sort of, uh, you know, grows out exponentially but no, I'm really proud of the, of, of being on that list there's always a bone of contention because uh, my, my numbers are different from theirs in terms of where, where we're at but that, we'll, we'll take okay. that <laughs> we'll take that into a different, <laughs> different area but if I look back to it and say look um, uh, you know what are, what are some of the, 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 the key things to do in that look Number one, and probably goes without saying as a, as a recruitment business and my passion for, for this is, is you, you can't do good numbers per head and grow a business without good people. So right. if you've, got, if, if you've got a good leadership team and you've got strong recruiters and you, you select well, th- those numbers become you know, sort of inevitable. So you've got to have a good training program to get those people up to speed. You've got to have good people who are capable of stretching the, uh, you know, the, the numbers. So, um, you know, hiring, hiring and onboarding and retaining, you know, good people is, is essential to that. Um, and, and I think if you look at those businesses on that list listing, they'll be good at doing that. And we've had, um, you know, I've I've been very fortunate and I'm very fortunate at the moment to work with a team. I think are absolutely world-class all the way through the organization from marketing and back office all the way through to leadership and the, and the, and the sales team and delivery guys and everyone in between it. So, if you've got people there who are good people who are combined on a mission and, and, uh, um, and enthusiastic about what they're doing and, and savvy and smart, then I think you, you know, you, you're going to do well as, as a business. So we've been very fortunate to surround, surround ourselves with, with great people. Um, second thing is to have something slightly different, uh, in terms of how you're going to, you know, to marketplace. I think there is a, it is a, you know, with 30, 30,000 to 40,000 recruiters in the space. Um, you know, it is it is a, you know what some people would call a saturated marketplace, right? Um, and I, and I've heard people say, you know, I don't want to work the UK market because it's overly saturated. It's the most mature recruitment market I think in the world. Um, and because of that, you've got a lot of people who are um, peddling the same stuff in exactly the same yeah. way. So I think if you can go to market with something different and and add that value and have different ways of, of engaging customers and, and supporting customers and a really strong customer strategy and candidate strategy alongside that as well. Um, and content I put very much in content and community, I put very much at the heart of that. Then I think that drives the performance that there afterwards. The third thing um, I would say that, uh, you know, that, that, that is put alongside. So good people, um, strong differentiator, I would say that niche is really important. You mentioned it earlier, earlier, earlier on as well. And I think, um, you know, the, the, the power of niche is, is really important. We could be all things to all, all people. And we, you know, we've had temptations at various different stages to, you know, to lurch into other areas and you can see opportunities. But, um, I, I think, you know, when, when we, when I look at businesses who are, who are one day trying to find a, you know, very specific fixed income, business analyst in a, um, an asset manager and the next day trying to find a, you know, support analyst for Nestle, you, you, you've got an advantage over speed, precision and control in terms of how you deliver to that customer. So niche, I think has been important within that. And when you look at, um, agencies who, who maybe struggle a little bit to, to grow an identity, um, that's, that's something which I put into it then. And then alongside that, it's all of the um, one, and one of the biggest reasons that I, I would say that from the numbers that you'll see in that hot 100, we've probably doubled our, um, our figures over the course of this year, um, wow. because of, uh, because of the efficiency gains that we've been looking at. So efficiency is, um, you know, make working more exclusive and retain, ret- retain business efficiency is, is really having the focus on what's going to, what's going to pay efficiency is technology and how we can make sure we're getting more out of every single aspect of what we're looking at, looking at data and making sure the guys are making better decisions on what they're working at, working with uh, tech to uh, stream out some of the things, automation in terms of what we can do to automate some of the processes and tasks that we're doing, allowing people to be um, what I call faster, better, stronger. So I want to, I want my consultants. Can you say more about that? Yeah, of course. Uh, so, so for, I, I, about two, three years ago, I was getting concerned about the sort of uh, um, 
the, 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 the disruption in the recruitment industry, in-house teams, automation, AI, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I bought around um, three or four clients around the table. I bought a couple of um, recruitment experts, um, so people who've been in the industry for you know, for a long time. I bought through, through around a couple of consultants and just said, look, let's let's just talk about the future of, of the recruitment space. And uh, we looked at, uh, you know, we broke it down to what it, what it was about and we looked at uh, the challenges across the industry and, we, and, we, and realistically it came down to the fact that, you know, in its truest sense, it's put about putting the best people into the best jobs. But this is, cons- the consultancy aspect is what gets left out by the automation, aspect, the automation part. The skill right. and the, the art and the craft there's the science of recruitment and the art and the craft of recruitment. The art of craft is the, is the salesmanship, the persuasion, the encouragement, the wooing, the seduction, all of these sort of different areas of, of, of the storytelling, of allowing people to do that. And when it becomes more competitive, you've got to get even more important and better at that. So we looked at it and said, right, automation means that people and, – and the digital world means people are looking for things faster. They're also going to be looking for stronger relationships with their – uh, consultancy partners and they're going to be looking and you've got to have better consultants who aren't just there to be CV matching people because that's what robots now do but people yeah. who are there to be able to advise to consult to intelligently move people and provide a solution-based sale for, for customers so mm-hmm. we came back down to it to say that after doing that and, and taking all the notes and throwing it into it and looking at the thing that actually I thought the, the, the health of the industry was in rude health despite the challenges of technology and, and in-house teams and you know, cost reduction and friction reduction and all these different things that you can look at, actually, the importance of people had never been more pronounced than, than it was at the moment. And what it came down to was we needed to be faster, so we needed to find solutions quicker for people who had that on-demand digital desire to see things happen overnight because you, know, you, you want your banking app, you want your Uber, you want your uh, Deliveroo, you want all of these things to basically people have got used to things happening fast for them. So we've got to make sure we're looking at technology and automation to make sure the responses and the engagement is, is happening consistently and quicker and faster and our Boolean searching and our access to candidates and clients happens as quickly as possible for, you know, for people. We've got to make sure those relationships are stronger. So we're not just talking about job master servant recruitment, but better consulting services. Mm-hmm. And we've got to look at, um, at, uh, at better consultants who aren't just, as I say, CV matches. And we thought, right, if we can put that into, into action, we won't only be able to just grow progressively as a team, but we may be able to explode and see the next uh, sort of five years, 10 years be transformational for us as a business after 10 years of being in existence so far. Love it. That sounds, uh, that sounds super cool. Before I go to my next question, I'd like to share one of the keys to my success in recruitment and in business. You may have noticed that a lot of the people I interview on this show have a coach. That's not a coincidence. Most high achievers have a coach, including me. I've worked with various coaches over the last 20 years, and it's been a huge factor in my own personal and business growth. Here's why. Sometimes it's hard to see the forest for the trees, and it really helps to take a step back and look at how you can improve the business and get a fresh outside perspective from someone who's bringing new ideas and insights to the table. Plus, as a business owner, who is holding you accountable and helping you stay on track? So I want to encourage you, if you're not already working with a coach, get one. It doesn't have to be me. There are plenty of amazing coaches out there. Just find someone who you believe will add measurable value to your business and can help you get to the next level. If you do want to explore a coaching relationship with me, then you're welcome to apply for a free 30-minute strategy session at recruitmentcoach.com forward slash breakthrough. This is not a sales call. My number one objective is to help you to get clear on your goals, identify the roadblocks that are holding you back, and create a strategic plan to increase your billings and grow your business. I promise you'll leave our session feeling focused, re-energized, and excited to take your business to the next level. You can apply at www.recruitmentcoach.com forward slash breakthrough. If I can just recap on some of the stuff you've been sharing. So number one, your three things were, first of all, it's all about people, which is yep. not surprising. Um, hiring the right people and then developing and retaining them uh, is is critical for every business and recruiting, um, you know, especially. So in some sense, like this becomes one of your top strategically important things as a CEO, right, is really ensuring that that you have systems processes in place for achieving that. Um, and I think this is where a lot of recruiting 
companies struggle, ironically, is, you know, with that, that internal recruiting piece. Um, oh, and by the way, my uh, colleague, Lance Jones-Hunt, asked, uh, said to say hi to you. She's, she, before getting into the coaching industry, ran a rec-to-rec business. She said yeah, she yeah. placed several people with you back yes. in the early days. That's Aaron amazing. Star. How funny is that? How is she? Great. Yeah, she is a dynamo. She's done wonders for my business. She's um, helping me to really scale what I'm doing. So um, Send uh, anyway, yeah, I will okay. do. I will do. Um, so it's that people part. Then the differentiation uh, It was the second piece. And then the third is niche. I think, you know, definitely all three of those are powerful. Um, what can I, this is a bit of a tangent, but I guess that asked this a lot. You mentioned temptation. And versus staying true to your niche. And I think that temptation is never greater than when you have a great client, you've got that relationship and they, they move to a new company, which is outside of your core market. And that's where the temptation is to follow the person because they know you, 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 you know, work well together, but it, it would take you outside of your wheelhouse and mean that you're not able to be as efficient. You don't have the network. You don't have to, you could do the job, right? No question that, um, you know, you guys are good at filling jobs and you could, you could fill it, but it's pulling you away from your, your kind of niche. What, what's your thoughts on that situation? So, so I've got, I've got quite strong thoughts on that, on that situation, okay. mainly because I've been burnt by it in the past. So, okay. um, we've, uh, Look, we, we, Harrington Star is a financial technology recruitment business, and uh, yep. at various stages in our, in our growth, there were mm-hmm. there were times which we, when things came to us that looked like um, they were great opportunities. Um, and I think there's there's a, a major music streaming business that's a, a very glamorous name to have on your uh, on, on your roster. And uh, they came to us, and and it was an old colleague of mine. Uh, who'd gone internally and said, "Look, we've got these nine positions that we want to we want to fill," and uh, and I was thinking, "Right, that's not financial technology." I said, "That's not what we do." And she says, "Yeah, but they're still they're, they're the positions that you would fill, so developers and support analysts and all this sort of stuff." And it, and it was very glittery, and you sort of suddenly start mm. to put the, men, the the maths together, and you look at what you can do, and you put the fees up there, and you think, "Right, okay, that could be really," you know, and it's a great name, and it's a great company, and we moved away from it, and we weren't experts in that field. You know, we were experts mm-hmm. in, in financial technology. So what I did was we went in there and we did a clumsy job. We did all right, but it wasn't a spectacular jo- job within it. And whilst we got a couple of, uh, of, of fees out of it, I don't think we did, you know, and we weren't at the standard of what we wanted, we wanted to do because whilst they were the same jobs, it wasn't from the same niche we were working. And we were just another ordinary agency within it. And my mm. big thing, the, the, you know, what, what I kicked myself most about wasn't the fact that we just didn't do a great job with the, with the customer, which annoyed me anyway, is how I let down my team insofar as moving them away from work that they could have been doing in that space. So whilst they were working on this, what were they missing out on on the other side from that? So I think it was probably one of the least profitable moves that I made at, at any sort of stage to go in that and, and sort of chase the bucks as opposed to the plan. And, uh, and, and I think when you look at, at, at that, we've you know we've we've been caught on it maybe two three times at various different stages and, and you sort of uh there's a, there's a episode of the simpsons that i always refer to in this where, where bart and okay. lisa is uh lisa basically leaves these electric cupcakes and that does a lab rat against the, <laughs> yeah, and then and then bart and he keeps going back and trying to and touching the electric cupcake and uh, we, I, I talk a lot about the electric cupcake <laughs> in, in recruitment, about how recruiters love to make the same mistake again and again. And I've been guilty of it with, with exactly this, like moving out of the niche and seeing that sort of uh, that sort of easy win. In recruitment, if there's an easy win, it's very rarely an easy win. It's it's uh, it's a problem in disguise. And uh, and I think when we've uh, when we've moved out of niche, we haven't done a great job of it. Now, the different part of it is, look, I want to be a bit my, my our vision is to have a group of companies that service um, uh, different niches within it. And North Star's looking mm-hmm. at a, a route into that um, as well. So North, so, so we we wanted to create opportunities for people in the brand. We didn't want it to be another Harrington Star that came out and competed directly with it. So we looked at uh, technology sales as an area where we saw massive opportunity and, and demand within customers. 
Um, and James has gone out to do that, but that's his niche now and he's moving into that sort of area and that's, that's the world that he moves into. Now, even yesterday we were having that debate saying that there's more stuff that's coming into us from, you know, from, from retained searches where they're saying you've done a great job for us on the sales side. Can we look at this? And again, you've got to be really disciplined to make sure that you are still going out to market and not diluting your brand within what you're doing there as well. So it's the next phase of, of challenge seeing that, that come up later on as well. So yeah, do, doing that. And, and ultimately we'll have, um, you know, we'll, we'll be launching a new brand at the end of this year, which looks at the media, media world. We'll be looking at, um, and various different areas, but we've got to make sure that that's our growth pattern that's based around that, as opposed to saying, you know, we're going to be this, that, or the, or the other and be a generalist agency because it works for some people, but it's definitely not our, our go-to-market. Uh, I wanted to ask you, because you have also got an office in New York, I believe. What do you f- perceive as being the difference in recruitment in the style done in the UK versus the US, like have you had to adapt what you do or have you just exported the Harrington star way and then rolled it out in, in America? Joe, it's really interesting that. And, uh, and, and I, I think, you know, there's things again there that we've got wrong over, over time and things that we've got right with that, uh, US business. And I think, you know, we, we probably went in quite arrogantly with a very UK centric, uh, model to it. So, you know, it's been useful for us. It's worked for us over here. Let's lift it and, and put it over there. Our clients are, are out there. You know, demand led us to go out to you know to, to go out there, and we'll just do the same. Um, which is fine. Yeah, I think you can interact with customers in exactly the same way. But the difficulty comes into the nuances of your people. Um, and yeah, as you will, will know, traditionally it's a, it's a some you know much more um, salesperson versus recruiter um, split out there. And we sort of kept mm-hmm. it very 360. And the difficulties that we've had with that over over the last few years is having a 360 model is difficult to scale and grow and build, bring people into into your business. And we're sort of moving into more and more that sort of um, uh, you know, fifth delivery and, and sales uh, methodology out there and, and learning a lot about it. We've it, it, it's um, I think. UK recruiters quite arrogantly see it as the streets are paid with gold out there. The fees are bigger, the salaries are bigger, everything's yeah. bigger, brighter, easier, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> but it's definitely not easy. And there's some excellent, excellent, outstanding recruitment that goes on in, in the US. And, and we've had to uh, learn and, and, and pivot to an extent and, and uh, adapt. But I think if we can bring some of the things that we've got that are great into that US market and really sort of build a lot more around the community aspect of what we're doing out there, um, and provide that platform for inbound business you know, within it, there's a, there's, there, it is a wonderful place to do, to do business. And I love going out there and, and haven't been out there now for well over a year, which is killing me. But um, to, you know, to get back out and really see that, that US business grow is going to be something I'm very, very excited about over the next five years or so. It is exciting. Absolutely. Toby, could you elaborate a little more on what were the things that you felt uh, – did translate and that, you know, the Harrington star methodology actually went down fantastic, um, in, in the States. And what are the things specifically that you, you had to adapt in order for it to play, um, over there? Yeah, no, I think, I think there's, again, it comes down to, in terms of service offering, I don't think there's a tremendous difference. I think customers, you know, over here, over there are looking for good people. They're looking for, I think there's a difference in, in the way people buy, which is quite interesting. So mm. I think there's there's um, what I would call a, a more tire kicking in the states. So people mm. are, um, uh, are happier to have that sort of conversation where they're looking to go gung ho into hiring and they sort of retreat back a little bit. So uh, when is a job a job? Um, you know, when it when you've actually got you know that real engagement out in the, the US. I think you've got to be a lot more. Mm-hmm. We went we went in uh, and were quite naive to. Uh, you know, to, to, to thinking, right, okay, in the, in the UK, when you've got someone engaged and they're giving you a job, the likelihood is, is they're serious about hiring and, and they're in a, in a process. Over there, it, t- it was, t- to me, it's always seemed that people are, are uh, less happy to give you a direct no on things, um, which is, you mm. know, in contrast sometimes with the sort of US um, psyche that, that, that I think it's probably a little bit more, they don't like saying, saying no. So they'll, they'll sort of bring you into a process and you might not be as engaged. So I think we've had to be a lot more uh, direct on 
who's hiring and getting people into that process and, and pushing for more exclusivity because I think it can be a lot less inefficient, so a lot, lot less efficient. So if I look at our business and say, have we had, um, uh, yeah, have we got a better hit rate in terms of are we converting more of our business of the jobs that we pull in the UK than we are in the US? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I think we've had to really adapt to you know, to that style of buying and, and making sure that we're mm-hmm. you know the discovery phase, the, the qualification phase is is that much better. Mm-hmm. I think uh, the you know, the the whole concept of um, of scaling has been um, difficult in terms of you know, I go back to that first point of finding talent uh, and finding talent who are happy to do that full three sixty piece, uh, and you put people in there who've been used to the delivery side who say they want to become BD. And then actually, sort of uh, struggle with the BD element. That's been something which I think has been incredibly challenging and nice for, mm. for us over that sort of period. In terms of what's what's what you can take over that works well, in, and this is something which I think we can do loads, loads, loads better. Is as, as I fully, fully believe that adding value, that community, that that content, that uh, helping people. Uh, and engaging with people through you know, different me- methodologies is absolutely something that translates from from it from here to there. Totally, um, yes. I think I think the, uh, the 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 fundamental basics of the five keys of the job, as I call them, so world class qualification of job, world class qualification of candidate, attract, engage, and retain the right clients, attract, utilize, and maximize the right candidates, and build your brand. Those five things uh, are the are the fundamental crux of what we do in the UK. And I think that's fundamentally the same five things that are going to make you successful in recruitment in the US. The difference in the US is it might be that some people do one side of that and some people do the other side of it. Yeah. Um, and I think it, that that segmentation, and it's happening more and more actually over here. Our North Star business, for example, yeah. has um, yeah, it is that I have a sales team and a, and a delivery team, and we're going through the whole flowchart of, of of how they're working. And it may well be that that's you know the, the the new world of recruitment as opposed to anything else, and, and moving uh, the Harrington Star oil tanker around to, to that way of working might take a bit of time to get that into position. Um, but I think it makes it actually makes sense. Well, you've got experts. Um, you know, and if you look at soccer, you know you put your goalkeeper in goal and your striker up up top. Your striker doesn't right. play in goal one day. And, and yes, and do that. good so, analogy. So, so, so genuine. Genuine experts in in their in their positions is is a is a new you know I say it's a new phenomenon it's absolutely not a new phenomenon but it's a, it's a new thing for us to be um, getting our head around and I think that's the big thing that we potentially could have done better out in the US. You know this is this is not a new debate is the three hundred and sixty versus one hundred and eighty versus even one hundred and twenty like splitting the job up into the component you know, aspects, whether it's delivery, whether it's sales and BD. Um, <clears throat> and I can definitely see pros and cons. I do, because I was a, I, I was raised as a 360 recruiter. Um, and I do think that is a, it's a hard job. Like there's no question juggling everything, all, all those spinning plates to do well at it. There's, I, I would say looking back, I wasn't, Fantastic at it. I did, I did pretty well. And, um, you know, it's all relative within my firm. I was really successful. I was like in the top, you know, 15, 20% out of 200 billers. But, um, I don't, looking back, I, I don't think it was very good. And it, I think partly is, there is always that tension between BD and delivery and people take their foot off the gas for BD because like, oh, I've got all these jobs. And then it's like the peaks and troughs happen. Whereas I wonder if, if, you, if you do have someone who's 100%, you know, uh, on the BD and someone who's 100% on the candidate delivery, whether the output overall is, is higher. Um, what do you, and you're running this as a live experiment because you've got both models running concurrently. What In two different businesses, what, yeah. It's, yeah. A really, it's, it's a really interesting thing to look at. And look, uh, North, North Star's been running on, under that, that, that remit for uh, four or five months now, four months. So it's four months since we sort of uh, made that change. So it's, it, you, know, you can't necessarily put it as a, uh, you know, as, as a uh, you know, there's not enough data to give you a, give you a real answer to, to that right now. What I will mm-hmm. say is their start's been absolutely stunning. Um, and they've been uh, winning great business. They've been getting great projects and retainers and doing a different way of doing it. 
but you look at it um, on a uh, per head basis, and it's roughly, you know, roughly, mm-hmm. roughly similar sort of sort of numbers oh, that you guys, okay. you guys, you guys, yeah. guys, are, guys are doing now. That might be because it's on that that evolution of journey, and those numbers which they're doing may then flip and, and double. Um, but uh, no, I think there's, there's there's capacity sometimes within um, you know scalable businesses. You, you'll you'll see odds and you know one, ones and twos will be the million dollar million pound billers you know yeah. here and there. But the average always comes down to I mean you look at that hot one hundred list and it sort of you know yeah. sort of centers around one twenty to one thirty thousand per you know, per head. Uh, yes. And that's not an unusual sort of, sort of number. So you look at that and say, right, right now, you know, for the last uh, three, four months, that the, you know, the, the group that we've got has been averaging uh, about twenty-one, twenty-two thousand pounds ahead, um, which is a big step in the right direction, and and the sort of levels which are where I want it to go. So how do we then take that sort of two forty, two fifty average, and turn it into four or five hundred? Well, that's the average number, the average uh, performance. Now, some yes. of that might be. Um, that we put people in the right seats. Some of it might be that yep. we increase the marketing and all these tools. Some of it might be we increase efficiency by the where they invest their time by making the right calls and the right discovery. Some of it might be the technology which allows them to be faster and better. But actually, it's probably a, a, a sort of smorgasbord of all these things being thrown together to allow yes. you to constantly be looking. And this is this is why one of our our product our, you know, our key values as a business is Kaizen. Japanese mm. manufacturing principle of, of continuous improvement taken from Toyota. Yes. Uh, and I firmly believe in Kaizen, which is constantly looking to iterate and improve, not just uh, change things all over the place, but constantly looking at where are the efficiency gains, where can we get better, and where can we keep on moving that further forward. Now, I'm uh, a believer that some people will be awesome 360 consultants. Um, yes. And I felt that my success as a recruiter came from being able to bridge that link between the candidates I was doing and be able to sell them to the customers who I was work, working with and, and yes. be, be in charge of that full cycle. I see other people who are great BD people who are very frustrated by the candidate work and don't like that sort of, you know, they're constantly looking for the thrill of the new. Other people are, are, are great at nurturing, converting and, and spreading and, and landing and expanding within customers, but they're not great at the new yeah. business side of it. Other people are, great marketeers and brand builders. Other people are great with candidates and actually don't then have the confidence to then take it out, but that you give them a, a, a brief and they'll find people within seconds and attack that sort of thing and be able to turn that around. So intuitively from that, what I'm saying is, is pay people to, to, you know, to the right, right job and don't have any sort of uh, uh, predication into, into where you're forcing and channeling those people into. It's got to be something there where you are identifying and playing to the strengths of those individuals. Do you know what? Like that's uh, I think you're absolutely right. Now that you've talked, we've talked that round. Um, it's probably a case of not. There's not one perfect business model, and it, it makes more sense to have either option available within the business based on the individual and yeah. their strengths and and um, you know, the direction that that uh, that they're going to perform best you know, the role they're going to perform best in, right? People get, so, shoe, people get shoehorned into the wrong thing. They, they end up, yeah. and, and what, what happens is that attrition in the recruitment industry of people who could have been great doing something, but are literally just doing the wrong job. Uh, and they could have had long and great careers, but because of, yeah. uh, of a, um, a, a sort of, uh, what's the right, right, right word for this? A, a sort of snobbishness around, uh, you know, how they, uh, you know, maybe a delivery consultant, but if, but it, my view has always been, if people aren't finding the candidates, you haven't got, and you, and someone's finding great clients all the time, but you're not fulfilling it, you, you're not going to do do any business. So which one's more important than the other? The answer is, in, in my opinion, they're both as important as as, as each other. If someone's not finding your candidates, they're not going to do business. If someone's not finding clients, but they've got loads of candidates, you're not going to do business. Both, yes. you know, both hands uh, work symbiotically together, and we've got to make sure that yes. we we're, we're we're showing that there is a credible and uh, prestigious pathway for careers in both aspects for people to go down those routes, playing to their strengths. Fantastic. Uh, is a great point. I'd like to explore that further. First, um, you rattled off five points. It was almost like this was um, part of the Herring, Harrington Star um, way of doing things. Uh, what do you call that? Like you had five kind of core principles of how to, so how five, to the perform. five keys the five keys is what we call five it keys. so it, it, uh, we work with uh, 
Simon Hartley, who's a sports psychologist by trade, and, and he worked with an Olympic swimmer called Chris Cook. Uh, and they looked at the five keys of, of what helped him swing two lengths of the pool as quickly as he possibly could. So his job wasn't to win gold. It was to swim two lengths of the pool as quickly as he possibly could. We believe that our job is to place as many of the right people in as many of the right jobs as we can to allow us to right. grow profitably. And we said, right, let's look at that and say, right, where are we going to be uh, eight out of 10 in everything and then try and move it to nine out of 10? And then when we're at nine out of mm. 10, how do we move it to 10 out of 10? And then we'll recalibrate and bring it back down to eight and say, how do we keep on improving those sort of things? And those mm -hmm. five keys, when we, when we boiled down the job, came into five things that we really believe drive great recruitment that, drive, that, that help us in our purpose to be the top 1% of the industry, to be the best in the industry at what we do to create uh, you know, world-class recruitment that allows people to grow their brands, teams, and networks. So if we looked at that and boiled it down, we said that, to, to, and this is something which, which I'm very passionate about, goes back to day one in recruitment, the thing that I got taught to be as good as I possibly could at right at the very start, is I think there's a lot of people who, who point at lucky recruiters. Uh, and they're lucky recruiters because they don't seem to do as much, um, but they always seem to get the, the deal done with the, with the customer. So their hit mate might be, you know, X percentage compares to someone else's, you know, percentage, which is three times less. So they get three yes. times more for the same amount of work and that they get called lucky because of it. For me, there's no luck in that. That's about mm. what, that's about investing your time in the right areas. And that comes down from world-class qualification of job. So if you pull a, an, an opportunity, a requirement in from a customer and you absolutely understand that, not just, you know, uh, what the skills you need, uh, what's the interview process when are you pay me but you manage that expectation you craft it you understand it you get the story you understand what they're looking to do you've got all that information your ability to be able to sell that job to be able to influence um you've got the information to impact and influence people and that's your job you know you, you yes. need to gather that information so i see people saying i've just taken the job spec and i've seen them on the phone for five minutes and think how on earth have you got enough <laughs> in there to, to be able to absolutely to be able to that world class is about putting yourself in a process where a retainer or exclusivity or interview slots are inevitable part of that process. And when yep. you're able to sell people into that process and you're able to put all of those things together, that they become, um, they become really, really important parts of the whole process. And, and, uh, so I think it starts with that alongside that people lose, lose control of candidates all the time because they never mm -hmm. really spent the time to understand them or to share their vision. They're just sort of seeing it as a transaction. So world-class qualification mm -hmm. of candidate comes into their hopes, dreams, aspirations, desires, key points. You know, why am I looking to leave this job? I'm stagnant. And then you take stagnant and write it on a piece of paper and then say, oh, they, you know, and get surprised when they say they're actually leaving because or staying because of something else. You said, but you were stagnant. Oh, yeah, but now they've changed their mind. It's all, all these things which make the job more easy for you. Attracting, yes. engaging, retain the right clients is about making sure you're, you're constantly building a pipeline of new businesses to work with but you're engaging and retaining those customers to make it much more efficient for you. So they keep coming back. You know, the, the, the top, top billers will do good chunks of their business with two, three different companies and then uh, be supplementing it with other people as well. So they go to yep. for those, those businesses, uh, attract, utilize and maximize the right candidates. So attracting the right candidates, constant pipeline of good candidates coming into you. Utilizing means that you're getting information and leads and, and market knowledge, et cetera, from them. But you're also taking them out to the marketplace and, and um, yeah. you know, knocking on the doors and, and creating um, heat and hype around that particular candidate. So you're not just uh, sending them over to a job and waiting for the answer, but you're actually taking that candidate and placing them as opposed to just filling jobs. Yes. Um, and maximizing is all then about making sure that you've given them the best possible opportunity to get that interview. You know, someone says, go in there and tell me how it goes afterwards. Other people are saying, right, this is what they're talking about. This is how you can do it. This is some of the information about them. This is some of the pack that I can present to you. This is how you, know, you need to um, approach this part of the interview. This is who you're going to be meeting, et cetera, et cetera. And then the fifth key is, is, is build the brand, about making sure you are uh, famous in your space, making sure that people know about you, utilizing social media, you're, uh, you're having information that comes through to you, that you are... Um, that you're someone who's who's central to your community, that you're constantly uh, a beacon of knowledge and insight and information. And so when people you know, go through that process that I spoke about before, they know you, they like you, they trust you, and then they're ready to buy, repeat, and refer. Um, and if you can if you can look at those and constantly reevaluate yourself on those five keys and say, right, how is my job qualification? How is my candidate qualification? What's my candidate current attraction like? What's my candidate candidate attraction like? What's my brand building like? People will go up and down at various different stages, like a spidergram 
and you'll see various mm-hmm. different parts of, of where they are. And they might be four out of five, four out of 10 at one stage and eight out of 10 at the others. How can we move each part of it consistently further forward and see that person develop to become the ultimate recruiter who's 10 out of 10 in all of those, those sort of areas, which will never happen. <laughs> um, yes. And it will constantly need to be calibrated and looked at. But how can we look at those and say, right, um, those, you know, to, to me, I look at the job and I think if you can be bloody good at those five things, I think you've got a great chance of, of, of being a sustainable, consistent recruiter. And I see lots of spikes and peaks and troughs. Sustainability and, and, and consistency is the unglamorous part of the cr- recruitment. Yeah. I think make the glamorous parts happen. Do you use this as a scorecard, like where people measure themselves in those five areas? Or So we have done at various different phases. Um, and, and, uh, and we, we go through, in honesty, we go through different cycles of it. We're looking at a quarterly review now, uh, system, which, which is coming back into play. I love doing it. We used to do it as teams and have red arrow yeah. sessions, which we took from, uh, the red arrows. Um, we had a, a, a leader of the red arrows come and talk to us about the, the importance of debrief. So we looked at debrief and said, look, these are the five things that we wanted to do. And every week we'd sit there and we'd be, hold each other to a, accountable and stab each other in the front about what those keys might be. My keys are slightly different, of course. So it's a running the business. I look at making sure people are able to do those five keys is 25% of it. I look at hiring and retention. I look at uh, finance. I look at um, client engagement and brand. I look at, you know, all these different areas of of what my job are. And everyone will have slightly different focuses on what they, what they want to do well. So in answer to your question, I think we need to make sure we are becoming better um, at, you know, consistently reviewing. And this is, you know, everything's about consistency. We spoke about it beforehand, about podcasting, about, um, you know, stay, stay in the course. And, you know, to take my own medicine, you know, what I've, what I've got to do, do with that is make sure that we are uh, really good at consistently appraising people on, on things that we know are the critical aspects of the job. Absolutely. That's brilliant, Toby. Let me ask you one last question, which is... Um, what would you, what would you say has been one of the biggest mistakes that you've made in the last 10, 11 years since you founded the business that, um, was a learned like, and what did you learn from it? So, um, there's been plenty, so I'm going to try, I'm just try, try and buy some time to, to, uh, to, to narrow, narrow that down. No, I think one of the, the big things I, I mentioned, I mentioned people beforehand, right. And, uh, mm-hmm. People is is the fuel of any of any business. Something which I, which I talk about all the time, and I've um, yeah within within that coming back to that whole thing of of um, you know trying to be disciplined about staying in your wheelhouse and, and niche and all that sort of thing. There was a, there was an opportunity that came to me to look at a a, a new business and launch something that, that was complementary to our niche but it was slightly outside that comfort zone. So it's to start an executive search business, um, you know, with, with it, within the space. And someone came to me, um, who was, um, by reputation and CV, a very, very strong option for us. And what I got hypnotized by was the upside as opposed to this sort of real gut that I was doing. I was suppressing my gut. So you, you spoke about this sort of, uh, um, the problem of the industry is its recruitment um, at various different stages. I, I you know, I, it's cobbler's shoes, isn't it? We, we advise companies yeah. about great recruitment, and we're we're uh, we never take our own, our own advice about it. My advice would have been if I'd been talking to someone and I had um, any doubt around this, would be with that sort of investment. If there's doubt, there's no doubt, um, and yeah. I should have walked away from it. Instead, this blaring thing on my shoulder was upside, 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 and I invested a lot of time, uh, a lot of effort, and a lot of money into a failed proposal of going into something with the wrong person mm. and the wrong, and the, and the mm. wrong team. And, uh, and I'm, and I've, my whole career has been based and built around organic growth and seeing people come yeah. through and backing your people through, through businesses. And now seeing James come through and do such a cracking job with North star, you know, I would, uh, I am adamant that, that, uh, that giving people the opportunities, even if they're a lot less experienced, to go in there and just see the animation, the enthusiasm, the passion of what they can do to build brands within your brand, knowing the DNA and knowing the standards and knowing all of that business. The standards were always miles off. The the, the connection was miles off. The way that he went out the job was miles off. 
and it just ended up being a sort of fairly painful uh, and expensive, you know, six to 12 months that I could have invested that time in, in doing so many other things so much better at the same time. Um, so I think it's, uh, you know, the, 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 the lesson for me has been to trust the gut to, you know, to back internally rather than to go ex- ex- externally. Uh, and if I'm going to go into things and I have doubt in it, then to, you know, trust that, trust that gut on it and make better decisions about what I'm doing. Makes total sense. Toby, thank you so much. We're out of time for today. I've really enjoyed this and um, I hope you'll come back and do it again sometime. I would absolutely love to. Now there are dogs who are chorusing in the background (laughs) as postmen go by, but uh, I would say thank you for, thank you for bearing up with them. And it's been an absolute pleasure being on the show. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening to The Resilient Recruiter. If you've enjoyed the show, the best way you can show your support is to click that subscribe button. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.